anyways, uh, we're on, <coughs> as I get my Bible, we're on Galatians chapter 5, verse 14, if you could turn to that. And uh, here we see in our text, uh, as we are continually dealing with uh, the, the, the Judaizers, uh, just with the view of the law and what that looks like, whether we're under the law or whether we are in Christ and his work, uh, he continues to kind of give that difference or that tension uh, between um, how we ought to see uh, this freedom of a Christian type life. But before we do that, why don't we uh, begin with a word of prayer? Dearly Father, we thank you for this day and, and for your word. Uh, Lord, bless us in your word. And may your word uh, continue to grant us the comfort, knowing that in Christ alone we have been set free. Lord, we know that uh, the burden has been lifted and that by your resurrection you have given us the victory. Bless us this night as we joyously study the word that you give in the life-saving message of Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, all right. Why don't we start someone uh, with verse 13? I know we read it last time, but um, that will be kind of our bookend. But if someone could start verse 13 and 14 for me, if you could read that. I got it. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in one single command. Love your neighbor as yourself, period. Okay, so um, the freedom of a Christian. Now, when we talk about the freedom of a Christian, what is, I mean, simply, what, what is that freedom? It is Christ who, who has, here's weird today. Um, I am balding, my wife says. She cuts my hair once a month. It's like it's yeah. so thin up there. So easy to cut. Anyways, um, uh, um, the freedom of a Christian. <laughs> now, what what does when we talk about Christ and the freedom of a Christian? What does that mean according to the context of the Galatians with the law, the Judaizers, and um, circumcision? What? What does the freedom of a Christian bring in light of the context that we're facing here with the Galatians? Um, anyone? Is that a question that you understand? I don't know if that's a good question to ask, but do you know what I mean? I don't know. Good answer. Yeah, maybe that was a confusing question. But in the context of the, 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 the Galatians and, and the false teaching of the law of Moses that saves, how does that directly conflict with St. Paul's proclamation of the freedom of a Christian. Um, I think simply, from, go ahead. Freedom from uh, not feeling that you can never measure up enough because you can never fulfill all the requirements of the law. Good answer. Yes. So good answer. Good answer. Uh, so, when we talk about being under the law, Dave, or anyone else, uh, can we set ourselves free by adhering to the law if we live under the law? Is that, is that a good no. question? 
No, good. I guess that was a good question because Cecily said no. And that's the answer, right? No, right? Because we know when we're under the law, we cannot. No matter how much the Judaizers were saying they could, you know, uh, save themselves, you, you can't, right? And when we talk about <laughs> the freedom of a Christian, um, never could we do such things as love and serve one's neighbor when we're under the law. Because what St. Paul is talking about here is because you are free, right? Because you are free in Christ, you have the, uh, you, you love and serve one another. Not under the law, but as one who is set free from the law, right? Because if we're under the law, friends, how do we read love one another if we're under the law? How do we see that? How do we see the Ten Commandments all together if we are um, under the bondage of the law? Uh, As an obligation. It's a burden, um, yeah. Obligation, burden, a have to. Um, uh, and, and, and that obligation and burden, when we say obligation, we very well know that we have to do it. But what do we know about our, what, what, what do we know about our sinful nature? That we all do fall short uh, to that call of following the law. Now, again, uh, if we're bound by the law and we're living under the law, that loving and serving one another becomes a different, the motivation is different, isn't it? That loving and serving becomes, I need to do these things to merit my worthiness in front of God to save myself, rather than for those who are free in Christ, there is no catch. We just simply love and serve um, in uh, what he has already given to us uh, through the freedom of a Christian. So, in other words, rather than being burdened, we, we, we love, we, out of love and, and, and free, out of this freedom, we gladly love and serve one another. It takes on a different, uh, definitely takes on a different motivation uh, when it comes to being set free and fulfilled through Christ. The love of neighbor in this new life is vastly different than those who believe that the law saves, right? And um, we see it right here in verse 14. <clears throat> For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? How are we to love our neighbor? It is from the freedom that has already been given that by that freedom, we are able to, by the fruit of the Spirit, love and serve in Christ. Right? So in other words, the law is fulfilled in Christ. And there through Christ, well, we, we love and serve one another in the freedom that he has given to us in the gospel. Right? Um, and who is your neighbor? Everybody. Everybody in your sight. So Cecily, Dave is your neighbor. Whether you, um, <laughs> whether, <laughs> sorry, no, I totally didn't come out right. <laughs> but my, my, my point is, is that uh, those that are around us, sorry, apologies, I didn't mean any ill will, any other way, but uh, those that are around us, these are our neighbors. Um, and as my oh. wife is coming on here. Oh. Yeah, they are coming on here with the uh, volume on. 
they are my neighbors as well. And, and we love and serve through the freedom of Christ. Right. And, and this is uh, very, very important about what this new life is. Again, uh, when we look at the law, you guys, the law does not save. Now, do we believe in good works? Of course we do. Right. We, we, we see the third use of the law. What is the third use? It's the rule or the ruler or guide for us Christians to love and serve in this life of sanctification, that we are made holy by the Holy Spirit who has called us in the gospel, who has given us the word and created and sustained this faith in us and, and has gathered and enlightened and kept us in the true faith, right? Um, it is by the Holy Spirit that, well, <clears throat> Wait, what was I saying? I forgot. <laughs> that uh, uh, it is by the Holy Spirit. Oh, third use of the law that we uh, that we joyously and lovingly uh, serve and love one another in Christ Jesus. Third use is very important because that is for the redeemed, for those who are already right. All Christians, all the faithful ones. This is not a burden under the law. Third use. This is. Because I am free in Christ. What, how can Cecily care for her neighbor, right? Uh, not to keep up with God's goodness, but to know that she is already good and covered by the blood of Christ. And that is the freedom of a Christian, the victorious. It, it, it takes on a completely different uh, a, a motivation to which we live, move, and have our being and love one another. Uh, uh, through the freedom that God gives in Christ Jesus, right? Um, verse 15, if someone could read that. <coughs> I could do that. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. All right. So what is what is St. Paul referring to here, you think? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Did you hear what she said? I didn't. I didn't. The election. <laughs> but, yeah. we won't go there. but we won't go there. <laughs> I think I know what you mean. I mean, I'm trying to connect it to what they're going through. But uh, now what is this biting about? Uh, we very well know that uh, biting is, what is that implying? Anyone biting? Um, Hurting. Hurting people. Yeah, very, uh, why biting? Gossip. Yeah. Uh, biting kind of infers that Fine. rabid, yeah. ferocious strife and affliction. Not just yeah. like, I don't like you, right? Or I don't, I avoid you. This is like attack, attack, right? Uh, this is a, a great ferocity and, and division. Now, when I say division, and we talk about elections, I know, it does kind of fit a little bit here not in election-wise, but how there is division in uh, Galatia here. What is that division, you think? What causes uh, this biting and devouring one another? What do you think caused, what, why is St. Paul warning them? And why does he have to say these words? What is that division, you think, based on what we talked about with the Judaizers and, and those that believe in the gospel? What? Law, versus, law versus gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, why is it important to be united in what we believe, teach, and confess? Why, why is it important 
especially in the Lutheran church, how we teach, right? The Luther is so we always teach like this is the thing that we do as pastors. It's like teaching new people, adult instruction, Bible study, all these things. But why do we do that? What is what is the uh, what is one of the motivations of why we teach? What do you think? Why don't I just if Sheldon was new to my to the church and and I said Sheldon, you know, come as you are and whatever you believe. Uh, you know, that's you. Why, why would I go out of my way to teach uh, Sheldon? Because we want to create unity in the church. Unity in the church? Unity in the, <laughs> sorry, unity in the word, right? That, that unity in the church. It's like, it's like that picture of the chalice, right? It's that unity of confession. As we partake in the unity of God's word, um, here we see the, the, the cautionary reminder that when we are not rooted in the word, what happens? When we're not united together in that very word, there is inevitably strife and affliction and division, all due to what? False teaching. Now, what does the devil love to do in every church? What does he love to do? Create strife. That's right. What's the best way to create strife? Division. Div dividing or that division with the word, right? He loves to divide the church by the very word of God. And when false theology, false teaching comes in, he is having a field day because people are starting to bite and devour one another. And, and that is why when we talk about the word of God and all of its truth, um, how, how important it is to be unified um, in the congregation, because in that biting, we could be so self-consumed and arrogant. <clears throat> and soon enough, rather than helping one another, we are, we are divided amongst e um, each other. And this is what uh, uh, they were facing. Um, and this is a reality in every congregation, friends. See, every congregation, right? Like, we're a group of sinners that get, get together. And mm -hmm. that strife is, you know, it might not be overt. It might be kind of under the rug or quiet. Um, or people whispering, you know, here and there in pockets, you know, it, it, it manifests itself in so many different ways. But when we're, when we're united in the word, the law and the gospel, there we know what our true unity is and biting and devouring. Well, as Don said, eighth commandment, it's easy to um, refrain from that as we love and serve one another in Christ Jesus. Um, continuing on here, verse 16, verse 16. <clears throat> But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All right. Um, as it says in Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Um, and, and I read Romans 8.13 for you, <laughs> if you ever want to read that for yourself, because... Uh, when we talk about this word, uh, when we walk by the spirit, now, what does walk, what does, you know, we talk about biting, what does walking imply uh, in our life of faith? Does anyone, um, why does St. Paul use walk? Because we're all pilgrims 
heading toward home. Okay, good, good. We're 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 constantly on that uh, on that journey in a sense of that walk of faith as we're continuing to go left and right with our feet. It's that picture of uh, uh, continuing to endure and, and walking in this faith. Very good, but we're walking by that spirit, um, and this is the danger here. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, what is the thing about gratify that is very as St. Paul is saying right here. You will not indulge, right? Yeah, not indulge. Uh, when we say, what, what is that word gratify? I mean, when you think of the word uh, gratify the desires of the flesh, uh, you know, we know that this is the constant struggle for the Christian life. But when we use the word gratify, what does that mean? Give in to. Give, give in, in to, right? Good. Say that again. Give in to the desires of the flesh. Yeah, it's it's almost as if we're obeying. Like these are the desires of the flesh are the objects to which we obey and uh, uh, which we um, are cons consenting to. Um, and we see these things, these desires, as if we are trying to or trying to find fulfillment um, in these very things. Now, this is the struggle, right? Uh, we, we keep on walking in the faith, um, yet the temptation is there. You know, Luther, his birthday was yesterday, so um, not that I, that's a reason to bring up another quote from him, because I'll always quote him. He's so great. But uh, he says this, from all this, it is clear what the Christian life is, namely a trial, warfare, and struggle, Right. You know, when you're a non-believer and you live your life, why is it vastly different in terms of trial, warfare, and struggle when you are baptized into Christ, when your faith is in Christ, when you live this life of faith? What is the difference, as Luther would call it here, of trial, warfare, and struggle that is of the Christian life? What is different about the Christian life in terms of trial, war, and struggle versus a non-believer's life? in terms of trial, warfare, and struggle. Um, can anyone describe that for me when we talk about the Christian walk? A Christian is trying to resist temptation. A non-believer is under no, no such uh, motivation to do so. Although there may be secular reasons why you might hold back from certain acts. Sure, I mean, a non-believer might have a tinge in their conscience, right? They might have a tinge, but they could justify it by, oh, this is why I did it and it's okay. Well, society says it's okay, so I'm gonna do it. Uh, but for the Christian, what is that? I mean, we talk about being set free and we are, but in that freedom of Christian, what are we facing daily that we never saw before? It is the spiritual forces of darkness, right? Do, do you see that? Like as Don said, the temptations. I mean, do you see this struggle in your life? Um, and Paul does not mince words here because he very well knows how easy it is to gratify the desires of the flesh. Uh, I mean, it comes in so many different ways, you guys. And here in this walk that we see, we know as, as Luther would say, this is the Christian life. There is suffering, 
God never promised that there would not be any trial or, or struggle or strife, right? You're facing a cosmic apocalyptic battle with devil, the devil and his, and his minions, right? And, and this is what we see um, as we walk by the spirit. So this is, um, I think, very, um, this is the conflict that we face, yet we are free in Christ. The battle has been won, right? And that's, that's the thing. We're, we're free in Christ. The battle has been won. His death and resurrection, your baptism, all these things given gift to you. But yet at the same time, we still face uh, that temptation of the gratification of the flesh. Now, that whole I, picture of gratifying the flesh is very, when we think of flesh in itself, flesh is weak. Flesh is sinful, right? Uh, as Jesus says, the flesh is weak, the spirit is willing, right? The flesh is sinful by nature due to the fall. So we very well know the weakness of the flesh and how us humans, in our, even in our sinful nature, love to gratify the sin in our lives. Um, and this is the constant prayerful vigilance uh, as we pray that God would, you know, as Don said, see the temptation. Because sometimes we're so sinful that we don't even see the temptation. You know, we just do as we please. And that is where the danger of gratifying the flesh can be. Now, we'll talk more about that here later. But uh, verse uh, verse 17, and this is the tension here. So could you read that for me? Sure. sure. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not want what you want. Sorry, so you do not do what you want. All right. <laughs> so what are the two forces we're talking about here? What are the two things that St. Paul is bringing up that are against each other? Spirit and flesh. Spirit and flesh. They're opposed to each other, right? And what does it say right there? To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Right. So the tension is this. Do we have <coughs> the will to to fulfill the law by our very own human steam? No. And, the, no. and the answer is no. Right. But we see the tension here with the spirit and the flesh, knowing that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, as Jesus would say. And here, if we walk by the spirit. Right. Uh, we will not gratify the flesh, but yet the tension is here, that there is our old Adam, our sinful nature, the flesh, uh, that struggles with this very thing. Now, the end right there, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Now, what does this say about free will? How, what, what, how does this end right here, to keep her from doing the things that you want to do, what does that imply about free will? You can do what you want. You can do what you want. But when it comes to uh, abiding to the law, uh, when it comes to thinking that the law can save you, based on this tension, knowing that the flesh is weak, St. Paul is saying, I, all of us, because of sin, 
we know what we ought to do, but we do the very thing that we hate. And he shows us the bondage of our own flesh and ultimately the bondage that we cannot, by the law of Moses, save ourselves through our work. Right? And, and this is the constant of the flesh and how we rely upon the flesh. Um, and St. Paul says, yeah, it keeps me from doing the things that I want to do. And um, this is the, 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 uh, why that freedom of a Christian is very important. You know, it reads in Romans 7, verse 22. If you want to, actually, why don't we turn to that together? Romans 7, verse 22. If someone could read that for me. I can. Uh, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Verse 23, sorry. And, uh, but if I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Two more, Jeff, because you're such oh. a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. Okay, so, so right here we see uh, the tension of our, our flesh, but also how he, St. Paul is saying, I delight in the law. Now, why do you delight in the law, anyone? Why would you delight in the law? Is it, what is, it, what did, what is that picture of delighting in the law? What does that, what is St. Paul meaning here? Gives you guidance. Guidance. It gives you guidance. And guidance as one who is free in Christ, right? That delighting in the law is not, oh, I got to do this. You know, I, I, I'm so burdened. I, you know, I got to fulfill the steps or else I'm not going to get there. That's not delight, right? That is burden and obligation and, and that is just terror. Uh, so this delight is uh, that whole set free gospel. But yet at the same time, we know that as it reads right here, his members are at war with each other. Um, that, that, you know, um, there is that strife. There is that struggle with the sinful flesh. And um, I think right here, as we go back to Galatians 5, uh, this is the tension that he is talking about. Um, this is the tension that we face. Like, Jeff is forgiven of his sins, of course. And so, all, all of, so all, for all of you, all your sins are forgiven. And you know, as we heard the ser in the sermon tonight, we're, we're already there. And we have the greatest hope in the encouraging promise of God. Uh, uh, we are set free, but yet at the same time, we still face in this said freedness of our old Adam, our sin. Uh, we are victorious, but we still battle. And, um, and there, St. Paul really brings it out here um, in the scriptures here. Um, okay. Uh, verse 18, and I think this is the kicker here. I love this one. So could read that. I could do that. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. What does that mean? You are not under the law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Does it mean that we abolish the law? Is that what it means? No. No, no right. Um, 
You're not condemned by the law. There you go. Yes, we're not condemned by the law. We're not bound by the law. Uh, Christ is the one who fulfilled the law. He didn't come to abolish it, but he came to fulfill it. So when we talk about the law and being under the law and the tyranny of the law, how is the law tyrannical? Can anyone describe that for me as the picture of being under the law? Did you if say you, tyranny of the law? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when we talk about <clears throat> being under the law, you know, with Luther, what was the big deal about the Reformation? It was the tyranny of conscience, right? He was terrified by his conscience, knowing that he never measured up according to the law. And that terrified him in his conscience. That tyranny uh, drove him nuts, even at a point where he would self, you know, he would hit himself uh, and, and it just wouldn't work. Right. But so when we talk about uh, if you are led by the spirit, you are not in the law. Um, that means that the tyranny of the law, the tyranny of conscience um, has been uprooted by the freedom of Christ that he gives to us in his grace. Uh, and uh, we see right here. Uh, the gospel has set us free from the bondage of the law. Uh, Luther writes, it is not the law, however, or nature that acquires the cheerful disposition. Faith in Christ Jesus acquires it. Um, and again, um, St. Paul is reminding Galatians that uh, they will fail if they live under the law, believing that they can fulfill it by their own will. And this is uh, the great, <coughs> the great, uh, deception of false teaching is that we can actually live under the law and fulfill it right um do you see and be honest with me here and you don't have to well be honest with me and you don't have to say it but think about it uh are there many instances in life i think for all of us this is true that though we know we do not live under the law that is we are free in christ there are moments where we can definitely be tempted to, to live as if we are burdened by that law. Do you see it in your life at times, in moments? Um, yeah, I don't example, like the speed limit. The speed limit, bummer. I'll talk to Jeff about that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But even like, uh, you know, you don't have to be, no, I'm not saying you don't have to be honest with me, but when you come to church um, and your favorite football team is playing at 10 a.m. Um, go to the eight o'clock service. <laughs> not the point, Sheldon. <laughs> and you tell yourself, well, I got to go to church. <sighs> It's just what I have to do. But, I mean, underneath that whole phrase, what are you really saying? What are you really saying? Scoring brownie points for heaven. Scoring brownie points for heaven. 
right? As if we need to score brownie points for heaven. And the fact is we do not need to score brownie points for heaven because we are already set free. See, that's the thing. This under the law thing, we know we are free, but what does the devil say? He accuses us, have you done enough? What about that sin? Are you sure you measure up? And your answer is yes, because it's Christ. But this is the struggle, isn't it? Um, and it, it manifests itself in so many different ways. Like uh, well, even, even though you know you're forgiven, you still want to do what's right. And what's right can come from the law. You know what I mean? Uh, but you, no, that's good. You know, I mean, you want to hit on that one. You, you know, you know that uh, when you do the law thing, even though you're forgiven, like he said, um, you know, it pleases the Lord. And to please the Lord is a good thing, you know, to make him smile or make him happy. Um, I think it's a good thing. Sure, <laughs> sure. But I think as we talk about the law, yes, third use of the law shows us as Christians how to love and serve our neighbor, right? But the, 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 the slippery slope is what? That when we look at the law, as Don would say, uh, we're just putting some extra gold stars up there. And that is the difference, right? The law is good. Dave, you're right. It shows us how to love and serve our neighbor. But if the motivation is under the law rather than as a free, by the blood of Christ, forgiven of our sins, if it's under that law, where do we go? We go back to the gospel, right? we got to go back to the gospel and see what this life is about. Because if we're living under the law and, and, and that's all we know, what happens? Not only do we think we have to measure up, but self-righteousness, that great poison comes in. And there in that self-righteousness, we just put away the cross because we can do this ourselves, right? So again, uh, if you are led by the Spirit, what does that mean? Apostles' Creed, Article 3, I believe in the Holy Spirit. It takes out free will because what do we say? It's not by human reason or strength that we came to him, but he called me by the gospel through that very word, right? So when we talk about being led by the Spirit, that is the word. The word is Christ. And in that very word, we are not under the law because we have been set free by Christ. And through Christ, we see the law in a totally different way. We're already there. And now, as Dave said, the law shows us as guide how to love and serve our neighbor. And that is why St. Paul says in Romans 7, delighting in the law. Very different. Than one who is burdened by, I'm burdened by the law. Versus, I'm delighted by the law. Right? And, and that is under the law, burden, freedom of Christian, delight. Because the victory has been won. Right? So led by the spirit. If we're led by the flesh, there we are under the law trying to, <clears throat> trying to claw our way up this muddy mountain. And every time we get close, what happens? We slip and fall and we try again. And this is the, the reality of the... <laughs> the false teachers and and what people were believing at the time now uh as we live now saint paul now changes the course here and he goes to the works of the flesh if someone could read 19 to 21 for me 19 to 21 now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality impurity sensuality idolatry sorcery enmity strife jealousy Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. Keep going. Yeah. 
yeah. uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Good, good. So <clears throat> as we talk about these sins right here, the works of the flesh, we talked about the flesh earlier. He brings it up about the flesh and the spirit. Now, the flesh is, uh, we see St. Paul not, you know, not pulling any, he's not missing words again, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality. So these are all sexual in, in nature. Um, uh, sexual immorality from the Greek word porneia, right? Greek word porneia, so pornography, right? This whole rootedness in the flesh and impurity and sensuality. Uh, these are the works of the flesh uh, and, and how we can gratify this flesh uh, through uh, this uh, sexual immorality, right? And this is something that I think when we talk about all these, and the second tier is idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Now, do like we fall short in any of these? And the answer is yes, yes right? Um, when's the last time, uh, you know, you had an idol? Hopefully you know what that idol is and, and the temptations of that. Um, anger. Um, jealousy. Uh, division. Envy. Right? Drunkenness. Right? All these things. Uh, now, what St. Paul is saying here is, uh, and I love that last part of it. And the like. Just, and things like, oh, go ahead, Don. Yeah. And I was going to say that. And the like, just in case he missed something. <laughs> right. I, but see, that's, that's the reality of the flesh, you guys. But I think what he is warning them is this. Uh, those who do such things. Now, what is the difference between, we talked about it earlier, Don, we talked about the law, about, you know, in the Christian life, we, what do we do with the law? We see it, we submit to it, and we very well know when push comes to shove, we fall short. We do, right? And we struggle with that. And what do we do? We repent, Right? And we rest on the promise of Christ. Now, for the non-believer, there are no boundaries. And they get to do, well, they might have a, con they have consciences, right? The law is naturally written on everyone's heart. They, they have that guilt, but yet they will continue to do according to society, according to whatever kind of social norm there is, they will live the way they please. Now, now what is, go ahead. They, they might only feel that conscious to half of those and the other half they feel okay with yeah yeah and, and that's the thing we we make our own boundaries right yeah. the non-believer for us christians we see the word for what it is and there we 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 live under the very word of god and, and there are times where constantly what does luther say the christian life is a life of repentance right uh, and because that repentance always does what points us to Christ and the forgiveness that he gives. But the point is here is that what St. Paul is saying is the difference between sinning with great contrition, that is godly sorrow for what we have done in front of God, versus the persistence of sin. Now, what is what is the danger of persistence in sin? 
um, what is the possible or possible danger of being persistent in sin for anyone? What happens? They become normalized. What what happens when it becomes normalized? On well, uh, oddly enough, I'm thinking of a title of a Doobie Brothers album. Oh wow! What was once vices are now habits. Yeah. Wow. The do- wow. That's awesome. Well done. I, I never knew you had that side of you. That's very cool. <laughs> very good to know. I know more about Don. All right. Good for him. Uh, but, but, uh, uh, what is, what is it about that persistence, you guys? Um, why is it so dangerous? Why is it so dangerous? If we know that something is a sin and we continue to persist in it, it means that we no longer have any type of contrition, no sorrow for what we have done, and we go on to live as we please. Now, St. Paul is saying here, this is the possible danger when we fall to the works of the flesh. If we persist in them, it can turn you away from God and his word. See, the thing is, friends, you know this, we can't just take God's word and just pick and choose what we want to believe, right? Do you understand that? Well, we all know that. We, we live to what his word says because we know his word is God-breathed and it's without error. But once we start taking words out, as Sheldon said earlier, oh, well, we might say, you know, one half of this we follow, but the other half we don't follow. Then we're starting to go down a path of our own following our own God. And um, I think when we talk about the persistence of sin, Soon enough, we, we've turned away and we live as we please according to our own, our own, uh, our own will, our own, our own guide. And uh, soon enough, you know, uh, we are falling to destruction. But <clears throat> I think right here, it says at the end, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things, that sinning, right, in persistence, will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, why is that important? Inherit. Like in light of all these laws, uh, uh, the works of the flesh, right? But then he ends it with inheriting the kingdom of God. Um, what? Why is that so um, interesting right there, you think? What should have it said if it was based on our own legalistic self-righteous um earn yes exactly mm-hmm. jeff nice yes. <laughs> not that i was surprised jeff i'm just saying nice i'm listening I, yeah no uh, <laughs> thank you i'm glad you're listening um yes i mean do, do you see that the inherent is what inherent is a form of grace uh and um, here we clearly see uh, that um, um, I guess I'm going to read my notes here for you. Again, the danger of viewing the words of Paul as the bondage under the law will only give um, the person a burdened conscience under the law. Rather, it is by the walking in the spirit that we continue to live by God's word, not through human will or the meriting salvation by the law. 
Now, the point here, as I read that to you, is because uh, we do not earn the kingdom of God, we very well know that as Christians, as those who walk by the Spirit, where do we flee when we fall short? We flee to Christ, right? Um, we don't flee to persistence in our sin. We don't flee to the things of man and the works of the flesh, thinking that if we do it more, it will get us better. better. But rather, in that sin, as we walk by the Spirit, we struggle and we repent and we, uh, we, we rest in the promise of God. And this is, this is the key, I think, when, when it comes to uh, the works of the flesh here in verse 19 to 21, is that um, these are real, right? These, no one is immune. Um, but as we said earlier, uh, living under the law or living in the freedom of a Christian here we see the word, and there we quickly, uh, we have that struggle, um, and we repent, and we have that sorrow, and we repent, and we pray that the Lord will turn us from these very things, right? It's a very big difference when someone who is gratifying the flesh and living by the flesh, this defines who they are, and soon enough, they're on their own road, and that is the persistent danger of living in sin. So when we call people out for their sin, we're not judging them. I know the, the world is quick to say, well, you know, according to God's word, that is a sin. And, and then the world will say, well, why are you judging me? And that's exactly what they say right away. No, exactly. Right? And I'm like, I didn't judge you. I'm just saying this is what it is because I love you. I, I don't want you to go down this path because it can actually destroy you. Right. And this is the reality of sin. Right. That persistence of sin. Um, and that's the truth. Right. There, we can't live on false platitudes under the law thinking, oh, I know God is close to me. I've done good in my life 95 percent of the time. And that's pretty good. So, you know, um, I'm sure that God is good. No, we very well know that uh, when we fall short in sin uh, there, there we uh, as we live by the spirit uh, there, we. Um, there we rest in Christ Jesus, right? In that repentance. So, so you're right, uh, Sheldon. <laughs> I think it's easy uh, when we talk about uh, the kingdom of God uh, that we continue to, we talked about it all this whole time about the second use of the law, mirror, showing our sin. Third use of the law, after that repentance and forgiveness, there in forgiveness of Christ, we continue to move along as we love and serve our neighbor, delighting in the law. But what will always be there, you guys, till the end of time? That, yeah, that struggle with sin, it's there, right? Um, and, and that's the constant. But yet at the same time, there is Christ as he has set you free by his forgiveness. And we continue to pray, live by the spirit, his word, as we go through that walking by the spirit, right? That, that, uh, uh, that, that life of faith, as we call it. So, um, I know next week we'll talk about <coughs> the flip side of it, but this is the tension, you guys. This is the tension. And uh, I think uh, in our sinful nature, uh, as we look at the scripture, it's easy to just live ignorantly and just live as we please, right? But constantly, you know, you know we're, we're living and the devil is there uh, tempting and, and causing us 
um, trying to tempt us and turn us from Christ and his word. So um, hopefully, yeah, hopefully that's clear to you this day. Um, any questions before we close here as we close on page, verse 20, 21? Any questions or thoughts? Encourage one another. That's right. I love that. Like encourage one another. Not like you can do it, right? But Christ has done it. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure we could all circle one of those things in chapter 19. Um you know, at least yeah. one, Sheldon. At least one. Yeah, and daily repentance is key, and prayer is is total key. And uh, the Lord is listening. Believe me. But again, I, I want to be clear here. It's that whole picture of persistence versus the struggle, right? Um, and, and this is kind of the thing, in a sense, of uh, the dangers of being persistent in sin, and, and we see it here, um, and how it can destroy people. So. Uh, that is why we're here in this world to share the message of Christ, right? Because people are needing uh, the great comforter, the healer. And that is a remedy of Christ in the midst of their sin. Like we need Christ. So um, constantly get out there, encourage one another and encourage them in the word of Christ and the promise that he gives in the midst of the dirtiness uh, that we face in this flesh. Christ cleanses and he washes away our sin. All right. Um, very good. Very good. Why don't we close uh, with a word of prayer here? Why don't we close? And dearly Father, we thank you for this day, O Lord. Grant us faith to continue to walk uh, by the Spirit. May your Spirit continue to sanctify and lead us in the one true faith, enlivening us and, and granting us the courage to meet the days ahead. Lord, we know that we are faced uh, with many... Um, temptations um in the works of the flesh lord uh grant us uh, grant us your heavenly care uh your wisdom and lord please forgive us for our sins grant us uh the comfort of salvation knowing for a while that we are covered uh through your work and lord bless and lead us um as we continue to walk in your ways lord bless us this night as we go home as we close our eyes this night may we close them in your peace. For all these things we're thankful. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.